This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll This is a well-known story that was told by Reb Shlomo Karobach of blessed memory. The seer Leblin, also known as the Chose, was one of the greatest Rebbe's that ever lived. And if you've listened to this podcast before, I've told many stories of the holy seer of Leblin. And you know that the seer could see from one end of the world to the other, and could see into the past and to the future. That's why he was called the Chose, the seer. Now it was Erev Yom Tov, the day before the holiday started. And the seer Leblin needed a haircut, just like everybody else. But there was something different about the seer Leblin. He was on such a high spiritual level that not everyone could touch his hair, and for sure not to cut it. And the Hasidim of the seer Leblin knew this, so they always dreaded when it came time for the seer to have a haircut. They called in all of the Jewish barbers in Lublin, and several of them spent many days fasting before Yom Tov, praying and doing tshuva, going to the mikvah, hoping that the seer of Lublin would choose one of them to be worthy enough to cut his hair. And before one Yom Tov, the Hasidim and the assistants of the seer of Lublin, as usual, put out a notice asking the Jewish barbers in Lublin to prepare themselves spiritually in order to cut the Holy Rebbe's hair. And when the day arrived, they had chairs outside of the seer of Lublin's room. And the barbers sat, waiting, saying to Hillem, hoping that they would have the merit to give the Rebbe his haircut. And the first barber, he comes to the Rebbe's chair. But as soon as he touched the Rebbe's head, and even though the Rebbe didn't mean to insult him, he started crying out, Ow! It hurts! Ah, it's prickly! Ah, it's painful! Stop it right now! And the barber knew, even though he'd been fasting and praying and went to the mikvah, he hadn't done enough tshuva to be able to cut the hair of the seer Leblin. The next barber is brought in, and the same thing happens. The Rebbe is shouting, Ah, it hurts! It's prickly! And the next barber ran out of the room. The barber felt terrible that he hurt the Rebbe, and the Rebbe was worried that he was offending these barbers. He didn't know what to do. The other barbers, they just knew they weren't on the level. If the first two barbers, who had worked so hard to do tshuva, were not worthy of giving a haircut to the seer of the blin, then they weren't either. And eventually, all of the barbers either tried or left, and there were no barbers left to cut the hair of the seer of the blin before Yom Tov. But somebody told one of the Rebbe's assistants that he saw a strange Jew walking around the streets of Lublin. Clearly, he wasn't from around there. And he had a sign around his neck that said, I'm a barber and a little bit of a doctor. That's what it said on his sign. He's a barber and a little bit of a doctor. So after discussing it amongst themselves, the Hasidim decided that it was worth a try. So they went over to this Jew and they said, Would you be interested in cutting the hair of the Holy Seer of Lublin? And he said to them, Sure. I can cut anyone's hair. They said, no, you don't understand. The seer of Lublin, he's a big Rebbe. We're talking big Rebbe, and he's very holy. And anyone who touches his hair, if they're not worthy, he screams out in pain. Oh, it hurts. It's prickly. We tried all the barbers in Lublin, but nobody can cut his hair. And these are people that sat and did tshuva for days. They fasted. They went to the mikvah. They did everything to prepare for this. So what do you think? Can you do it? And the barber said, don't you see my sign? It says I'm a barber. And I don't care if he's a Rebbe or if he's a simple person. Everyone needs a haircut. So does the rabbi. And I'm a barber. No problem. Bring me to the rabbi. And so he entered the Rebbe's room without fasting, 
without going to the mikvah, without saying Tehillim, without any preparation whatsoever. And the seer Lublin looks at this man, and this man looks at the seer Lublin, and the Rebbe sees the barber's little sign around his neck, and he smiles. And it seemed to the Hasidim that the seer Lublin already liked this barber. So the barber takes out his old rusty scissors, and the Rebbe's assistants, they knew that there was a scream coming from the seer Lublin. So they closed their eyes, they didn't want to see it, they didn't even want to be in this world. But when the barber touched the Rebbe's head, he sighed. <sighs> and then he said, Amachaya, Amachaya, what a pleasure. And the barber continued snipping. And the Rebbe kept saying again and again, Ah, oh, what a Amachaya, Amachaya, what a pleasure. And as soon as the haircut was over, the man asked for his money. He got paid and left. Now for the Hasidim, this was practically a miraculous moment. They knew that they had tried to get many barbers to cut the hair of the Cyril Blin, and nobody could do it. And here comes this strange guy. He's walking around the street saying, I'm a little bit of a barber and a little bit of a doctor. They had to find out who this hidden tzaddik was. So they followed him when he left and they said, Rabbi, Rabbi. And the barber didn't turn around because he's not a rabbi. They said, Rabbi, honorable master, please. The barber stops, he turns around, he says, who are you talking to? I'm not a rabbi, I'm also not an honorable master. So they said to the barber, so who are you? Tell us your story, where do you come from? And he pointed to a sign and he said, don't you see the sign? He says, I'm a barber. Uh, they figured, wow, this is really a hidden tzaddik. Of course, they saw the sign, that's not what they're asking. They tried again, and he just walked away. So they followed him at a distance, and they saw him walk into a tavern. They followed him into the tavern and ordered a couple of drinks for the barber. And they said to him, it's on us, my friend. He says, really? That's very nice of you. Thank you. And they drink together. And they have a few drinks. Lechaim. And they're laughing. <laughs> and then the Hasidim say again, Nu, tell us, who are you really? And the barber, he just shrugged his shoulders. says, I don't know what you're talking about. And they said, you know, we brought in every barber in Lublin. And not just Lublin as far away from Lublin as we could possibly find. And every time a barber touched the Rebbe's hair, he screamed out in pain. Ah, it hurts. It's prickly. But when you cut his hair, he sighed a sigh of relief. And he said, ah, what a mechaya. We've never seen anything like this. Tell us, who are you? What's your story? But even after a couple of drinks, he didn't want to talk about himself. So they bought him some more drinks. And every time he would get up, they'd sit him back down and say, we're not done yet. Finally, after enough drinks, they said to him, tell us, who are you? What's your story? And so the barber stood up and pulled up the back of his shirt, and they saw his entire back was filled with terrible, disgusting scars. The Hasidim were shocked. <gasps> they said, what happened? What is that? And the barber finally told them his story. He said, you see my sign? I'm just a simple Jew. I'm a barber and a little bit of a doctor. And I travel around from place to place, and I cut people's hair, and I help them out when I can. And one time I was in a particular town, and I saw there was a big commotion. <laughs> when I approached, I saw that the non-Jewish authorities were dragging a Jewish man away from his wife and children, and they were screaming. And I asked somebody standing on the street what happened. They said something had been stolen in the town. And of course, everyone knows that the Jews steal everything. So they just grabbed the first Jew they could find, and they took him and were going to tie him to a tree and whip him 100 lashes for his so-called crime. 
Now the barber said, I looked at this man, and he was so small and skinny, I realized there's no way that he would survive a hundred lashes. Because I'm a little bit of a doctor, and I know how to be healthy, and I'm pretty strong, I figured I could survive a hundred lashes by a whip. And on top of that, I never got married. I have no wife and no children. And even if chas v'shalom, I was wrong, and I died of my injuries, at least I would have saved this family. They would have a father to raise those children, and that wife would have a husband to have Shalom bide with. So I walked over to the police and I told them, You think the Jews steal everything? The policeman said, Yeah, of course. What do you think? A Christian would steal something? Only Jews steal. So the barber said, Well, you've got the wrong Jew. I did it. They took that little skinny small Jew and threw him back to his family. They said, No problem. We have no problem replacing one Jew with another. And he said, They tied me to the tree. And I figured I'm strong. I can handle anything. But those wicked goyim, they beat me so hard that after ten lashes, I thought I was going to die. I cried out to Hashem and I said, Hashem, you know, I'm not doing this for myself. I'm doing this for this man. I'm doing it for his wife and his children. I'm doing it for you, Hashem. I'm doing it for the mitzvah of loving your fellow Jew as you love yourself. And I accepted this punishment only because that man is a Jew, and I'm a Jew, and our responsibility is to help one another out. So Hashem, please have mercy on me and help me survive this. And the barber said, I don't know how, but I survived. Even though every time they hit me, it was harder than the last one. Somehow they reached a hundred, and I survived. And that's where these scars are from on my back, and that's why I walk with a limp. But thank God I'm alive. And now I get to travel around and cut people's hair and help people because I'm a little bit of a doctor. So now the Hasidim understood. When the holy seer of Lublin saw this Jew, he saw the incredible Mesiut Nefesh, self-sacrifice that he had given for another Jew, saving not just another Jew, but an entire family. And for the seer of Lublin to have his hair cut by someone on that level. Ah, that was a Mechaya. That was a pleasure. And I want you to know, my sweetest friends, when we help our fellow Jews, we're also giving Hashem such pleasure. And you should know that the holy Jews that are protecting us here in the land of Israel, serving in the army, serving in day and night, and doing Hashem's will by protecting the Jewish people in the land of Israel, they're just like the barber in the story of the Chose of Lublin. We should all merit to help one another as much as we can. And to give Hashem incredible nachas, an incredible ah, a mechaya. I have one more story for you. This is not so much a story as just telling you what happened during the summer of 5746 in 1986. In Crown Heights, the Lubavitcher Rebbe initiated the campaign, Aselecharav, make a rabbi for themselves. Now everybody knows, I'm sure this comes from Pirkei Avot, the ethics of our fathers, which we're reading now in the summers. And in Pirkei Avot it says, you should make yourself a rabbi and acquire for yourself a friend. And this Rav would be a mashpia, a personal mentor, to whom a chassid would report to every now and then, and would be consulted before making any major decisions. Now, a mashpia is not just somebody to annoy all the time with every idea you have, or 
to follow blindly just because he says something. A mashpia is somebody who you discuss issues with and that helps a person to make decisions but doesn't make the decisions for them and someone who you look up to and respect. And in order for a chassid to truly grow, they have to have a mashpia. So, Bo Hashem, I merited to have a very special mashpia, Rab Sholem Brat, who after he passed away around five years ago, I wrote a book about him. You can find it on Amazon. It's called the Shtikel Shalom. Just look for my name on Amazon. And these days, I'm also very lucky to have another special mashpia in some ways, mechavuta. Rab Aon ben Chana Liba should have refuah shlima. So, during the following months, the Rebbe explained how one should choose a mashpia, provided the Torah sources on the importance of this, and told everyone they needed a mashpia, not just because it says, in Pirkei Avot, but because in these days, with so much technology and so much confusion, someone really needs a rabbinical spiritual mentor to guide them. And if the Rebbe said that in 1986, all the more so in our day and time. After a few months, the Rebbe heard that not everybody had taken this seriously, and he made it clear that this was not a suggestion, but an obligation of every Lubavitcher chassid. And at one point, the Rebbe threatened, in quotes, that if he received a letter from a chassid, he would ask the name of that chassid's mashpia to make sure that that chassid had a mashpia. A few days after the Rebbe had said that, there was not a single chassid left that did not have a specific aselecharav a rabbi who was their mentor. Now, what did the elder Hasidim do? Some of them appointed rabbis that were many years younger than them. For example, the famous Reb Mendel Futterfas, who, by the way, there's a book in Hebrew written about him called HaMashpia. He was called the rabbinical mentor, and he was the Mashpia in Kfar Chabad, the Chabad town here in Israel. So he chose one of his former students, Reb Velvel Kesselman. And there was a Rav Matel Kozliner, who chose Harav Gansberg, who was 40 years younger than him, the legendary Rav Yol Kahan, and is so well known in Chabad circles for being the choser of the Rebbe, who had a photographic memory and would remember all of the Rebbe's talks on Shabbos and Yom Tov. Even he elected Harav Heller to be his rabbi. And after everybody had found somebody to be their mashpia, the Rebbe was satisfied that people were taking this seriously, the Rebbe himself joined the campaign and announced that he was choosing Harav Pi'ir Karsi to serve as his personal Rav and Mashpia. And let me tell you, my sweetest friends, this is the greatness of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, because very few figures in Jewish history have had as much influence as the last Lubavitcher Rebbe has on the entire Jewish world. And for a rabbi on that level, not just a rabbi, but a Rebbe on that level, to say that he himself is choosing a mashpia. And that certainly sets a personal example for the rest of us. So I bless you all that you find your mashpi'im and they influence you for good and help you to grow in your spiritual journey as a Jew and come closer and closer to Hashem. <laughs>
by one of the loyal listeners of this podcast, Holy Brother Jason in Los Angeles, California. And we had a heated discussion regarding contributions to the podcast. And I just wanted to thank him for his very kind contribution and for listening and for caring so much to write to me all the time. My sweetest friends, thank you for listening. And if you'd like to send in a contribution, you know where to go. My website's at HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. Keep listening, keep sharing, and I look forward to our next story together.